don't know about you, but some mornings I have to remind myself it is a good morning. So, in fact, let's get to doing that reminding one more time. Let's pray. Good and gracious Father in heaven, regardless of what the weather is like outside, regardless of what the situations in our lives are like, we can say that it is good, that it is well with my soul, because you are our God. You are our great Father. And Jesus Christ is the one who has made that a reality. By his blood, by his death and resurrection, we are your children forever. And so we can say to all, in whatever circumstance, in whatever we are going through, that it is good. And your goodness shows to us so clearly through your word. That is what we are going to be celebrating today, your word to us, which reveals who you are and your great and glorious plan. Be gracious to us right now. Holy Spirit, empower each and every one of us so that we might hear, that we might listen, that we might see in your word, Jesus, our Savior. Guide me now and give me skill with words and communication and be with my brothers and sisters as they hear diligently. All for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, does everyone have one of the sermon outlines? It'll be helpful today. If you don't, if you could raise your hand and if the ushers could get the outline to people who don't have it. Looks like the ushers did a really good job. I'm only seeing one person. So. And, of course, Pastor John, why is he doing that? It's not because he is a one-man show. It's because he realizes when I have not that the ushers are downstairs yeah, doing this offering stuff. <laughs> that worked better when I had outlined things. Our text from today, for today comes from the book of Joshua. Chapter 1. Verse 8. You'll find it on the back of your sermon outline, embedded amongst just more of Joshua chapter 1 than, than we might need for today, but I wanted to give most of it to you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Ooh, thin pages. You know, it's so short. Let's read this together. And so, for this purpose, if, even if you brought your Bible, if it's a different translation, please read it from the back of your sermon outline. Verse 8, not, not up here, but down here. On three. One, two, three. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. May God bless this reading of his word. Um, as Pastor John said, we're continuing our summer series of encountering Christ in personal worship. And today, starting today, we're going to be looking at the Bible reading in our personal worship. Now, I'm not going to be talking about the other beneficial ways of reading the Bible today, like reading the entire Bible straight through, which is something you all should do every few years. It's great to have that bird's eye view 
of the Bible. And I'm not talking about the uh, just intensive Bible study that some of you do individually or in your home fellowship groups or at women's Bible study. That's good too, getting an in-depth understanding of a particular passage or book. Today we're going to focus on the foundational, necessary, everyday reading in our personal encounters with God. Because this is where we focus our days as worshipers, which is a 24-7 calling, as we've just read, meditating day and night. And I don't want this to come off like obligation. In one sense, every Christian knows, oh man, i got to read the Bible. Just reading the Bible is not your act of worship and devotion. As if God were pleased. Oh, did it today. Check. But reading the Bible gives us reasons to worship God. Reading the Bible gives us the best reasons to worship God. Sure, you can get so much pleasure and enjoyment out of the world that He has created. All right, the wonderful sky in its blueness and it's the water in its coolness and in just animals and their deliciousness and whatever else that you might rejoice and give thanks to God for and worship Him for, the best reasons to worship God are found in His Word. In fact, a few years back, we defined worship as worthship. Worthship. That God is worthy and we celebrate His worth. And so, uh, just like a, about a month back when I uh, started the series on, and uh, preached on prayer, I'm going to ask, how satisfied are you with your Bible reading? And I'm not just speaking in your routine because I don't know any Christian who doesn't say, I wish I read the Bible more. All right, it's like just one of those good answers, like in the Miss America pageant. What do you want? World peace, right? So, um, I'm also asking about the quality of your Bible reading life. You know, many of you will say that you wish the quality and depth of your Bible reading were better, and that you would actually read more if you found that satisfaction. Makes sense. If you enjoy something, you're more likely to do that task than something that you're not, just uh, not enjoying as much. But what are you looking for when you read the Bible, and how do you think you ought to read it? You know, by the time I hit high school, I read the Bible about eight or nine times straight through, and I can say that really didn't get much out of it in terms of worshiping God, all right? In fact, I did it because that's how I got my allowance. My parents paid me 10 cents a chapter, Oh, man, I thought I was fleecing them. Felt guilty, but, you know, I had, had to do something to, to uh, make my comic book fix happen. All right, six chapters, and I have a copy of Uncanny X-Men. So later on, I find out there's only like 700 chapters of the Bible, so they were getting me to read it cover to cover for $70. So, but joke's on them, because somewhere along the line, I associated Bible reading with money-making. So... So parents, if you know what's smart, you're not going to use that tactic. All right, but it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't worshipful because I was not looking for something. And how often are you going to find something if you're not looking for it? Like Timmy Louie, again, he's not here, but 
can talk about him, all right? 11, 12-year-old Timmy, so just with archery. He doesn't just fire arrows randomly off in like just different directions and then go to where they landed and then draw a circle around where it landed and say, I hit my target. We'd call him an idiot. He is not an idiot, and that is not what he does. Timmy sees what he wants to hit. He aims carefully. He releases. And then he goes and sees how close he got to the mark. We want to hit our targets. And the Bible also has instruction for us on reading the Bible, as we've just read. What did we read? Meditate on it day and night and obey everything written in it. Well, that's certainly a target to hit. Or a song we sang today came from Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That, you know, just you generally want lighted paths when you're walking. And in order to have that light for the way that you live, you need the word of God, which means, coming back to Joshua 1.8, you need it constantly, day and night. But I think the most helpful target is one that Jesus gives to us. And it's also at the bottom of your, on the back of your sermon outline, Luke 24, in verses 25 through 27. Again, I wanted to give you some context for that. So, Luke 24, 25, Jesus, to his disciples after his resurrection, they didn't know it was Jesus yet, but he was walking with them. And he told his disciples, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did you catch that? Did you catch what we are to look for in every reading of Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, because the New Testament's kind of easy. It's either talking about Jesus or it's talking about what's happened now that Jesus has come. But Jesus is referring, back at this time, no one wrote the Gospels yet. He's talking about Moses, all right? So Genesis through Deuteronomy and all the prophets, all. So all the Bible then, not just the new, but the old, points to Jesus Christ. He is our target. He is the one we are looking for. And so, that, that is what we are going to be looking for. Now, some of you have no idea what the heck this thing is because you grew up in an age of smart boards in your classroom. But back in the olden days, be surprised now, light! Ooh! So, um, similar to what I did in the sermon on prayer, I want to model for you what this looks like. Now, I'm going to ask you to bear with me. A lot going on, going on up here right now, so. And uh, before I go any further, let me say that, uh, thank you, lights would be good. This uh, method of Bible reading for personal worship, I learned from Randy Pope, another PCA pastor, 
So a friend of John's actually, John put me onto him. And I've taught this for the past three years to small groups of people, and every one of them say that this just transformed the way that they worship the Lord on a daily basis and how they read the Bible. And so it is my prayer that it will do that for you as well. So the, uh, the method that we're about to do, and so when I'm writing down here, my head is down, I'm going to be modeling. This is what I basically do for myself on my own. And you'll see that you can do it too. When I pick my head up and I'm talking to you, I'm preaching again. All right. So the uh, acrostic, all right, so because every, every good pastor winds up having an acrostic for something. I've even got one for t- today for, uh, for my own to share with you. Oh, so it's the six words, pray, read, ask, interpret, summarize, and engage. What's that spell? Praise. I mean, that's uh, pretty fitting because at the end of all of this, we want to be, have reasons to praise our God. And the first thing that we are called to do here is to pray. Now, why? Why, uh, you know, we're about to pray anyway, and usually at the end of everything, you just, at the end of your personal uh, Bible study, don't you pray? But the Bible is the Word of God, apart, you pray, apart from you praying, but unless the Holy Spirit helps you, you're not going to get anything out of it. That right there is a great re- reason to pray. And if you're holding on to any sins, well, you know that you've got to confess those if you want to read God's Word and be blessed by it too. And so, let's pray right now. Father in heaven, thank you for your holy Word that we get to read, that I get to read right now for my benefit, for your glory's sake. Holy Spirit, help me to read and see what you want me to see. And I know you want me to see Jesus. So help me now. In Jesus' name we pray. I pray. Amen. You know, we pray out of reverence. All right, John reminded me on Friday that we, when we come to the Bible, we are entering the holy of holies. We are entering that place where God shows us His will, His plan, His love. He gives us access. And so by praying, we're taking that seriously and telling our minds and our hearts, time to shut up and listen. Now, the next thing, all right, next step, is to read the text. Now, picking a text is important. In fact, I remember uh, in youth group when I was growing up, the pastor said, you know, just going through and having a plan to read the Bible devotionally is important. Otherwise, if you just open the Bible, you might be like this loser who like just, you know, opened it and said, all right, Judas hung himself. All right, and don't really want to. So let's open it again. <clears throat> so you sh- should do the same. All right, so, or David Pallison talks about a guy who read, and they went to, uh, to Bethlehem. And so for that, a guy took as reason to just pick up and move to Bethlehem. So we're not looking. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for Jesus, and we want to go through the Bible in a deliberate way where we find him. So picking your text, if you're, and this week, I'm going to send out a list of devotional passages, all right, that you can start with if you like, all right? So you read the text, and 
You read it with imagination and passion. My New Testament professor, Dan McCartney, said, a certain biblical imagination is necessary. Inject passion. Inject understanding into it in the way that you read it. I hope that I do that from the pulpit. Sometimes I know I don't. And that flat monotone, how does that come across? My voice, not so great. All right? Or in anything that you read, you don't read a love letter that way, all right? like you're reading the yellow pages, or you know, just Harry Potter and Dumbledore died. All right, that's not really any secret at this point, so, you know, just, but, you know, uh, so you're, you're going to stumble toward die. You're going to cry. You're going to be, like, just so sad. You're going to be horrified. It's like, how does that happen? And so let us read the text with imagination and passion. Have different voices for different people. In fact, when I'm reading the Bible with Abby, my daughter, and I read something that God is saying, I try to put on a God voice, all right? One, to give her an idea that this, we're in a reverent moment right here. Or if someone's angry, I try to inject anger into it. If someone's happy, and so let us read this carefully, noting our observations about the passage, all right? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So as I try to read this carefully, the emphasis obviously here today is on the book of the law. And whenever you have shalls, that's an imperative, that's a command. So shall not depart. You shall meditate. And then, anytime the word then or therefore appears in the Bible, that's something that you've got to kind of just circle and think about. Because it goes back to something that came before. It's usually an if-then. It's a consequence. Something that came out. Just, and I'm thinking, what does careful mean right here? And really, what is this word all? So, so I just bought this today and it should be working better than this. So, all. Success, prosperity. I have questions. And day and night. All right, how's that? You're just looking for things. And if you, if you don't worry about writing and marking up your Bible, and honestly, I mean, I think we should all leave some really marked up Bibles for our kids. I think that makes a great inheritance. But if you have a problem, just print out a passage off of uh, blueribbonbible.com. And then, what's the next thing that we're supposed to be doing? All right, what is this A? Ask questions. Ask questions to help you interpret and apply the text to your personal life. Interpretive questions, right? Because if you're not going to ask any questions, then you're not going to get any answers, are you? Right? Oh, I didn't mention this before. Any of you youth group kids, middle schoolers and high schoolers, I really wish someone had taught me this when I was your age. And I hope that I'm doing it in such a way that it's meaningful for you. But know that I had you in mind, all right? I want you to get this. 
All right, you ask interpretive questions to get at the facts. What is the issue? Who is talking? What's the flow of thought? So who, what, when, where, why, how, all of those are good questions. All right, so my questions. All right, what does meditate mean? And are we really talking 24-7? Book of the law. For them, what was it? Who is God saying this to? What standard... Are we using for prosperity and success? What are the consequences if we don't? So we're not really talking, sorry, you're all realizing what terrible handwriting your pastor has now. So we're not talking seminary level questions, are we? I think that these are things that all of us can ask as we come to the text, all right? You know, what is this, and, uh, and I should have asked, what is this passage calling us to do. All right. Now, lots of times, even many people don't even do the ask part. And if you ask these questions of Scripture, you know, I think it's quite clear that we get more out of it, right? And so I hope that you're already seeing something to do right here, to ask questions of Scripture. But, Quite often, we go straight from that, from asking these questions, from reading, even from reading, and jumping straight to summarizing with something we should do. Now, there's nothing wrong with finding biblical application. In fact, we should do it. We must do it. But if that is what we jump straight to, if we read the Bible and then go straight to, how should I now live? then you've made the Bible about you. You've made the Bible a how-to manual for you, and its ultimate expression is in what you do. But we know that that is not the case. Care, I don't care what kind of egotistical person you might be or narcissist. This was not written about you. Who is this a story of? And Jesus, thank you, Bill Melcher, Jesus says it in Luke. All of it was about him. And so, this next part, which I hope that you learn to love as much as I love doing, you get to interpret the passage in a way that's consistent with all the teaching of Scripture. Now, I know that that sounds really like a huge task, and that might get you worried, but I'll tell you that we have given our children in Sunday school the tools with which to see this. 
because everything that we have taught them from the Old Testament, whether it's David or Adam or Noah, we've said, but now, do you see how this points to Jesus Christ, either in our need for Him, our just our longing for Him, how He is the fulfillment, how He is the satisfaction of all these things. And so, do not, please do not skip this step using whatever amount of understanding of the Bible that you have right now. The great thing is, the more that you do this, the more that will grow, and the more that you will find connections to Jesus. All right? So, interpreting this passage... All right, the book of the law, which clearly, you know, for them was what Moses had written up to that point. But Jesus referred to all the Old Testament as the book of the law. And we have inscripturated, I love that word that John used today. We have the New Testament as well. So the Old and New Testament that God has given to us. All right. And shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it. So a not and a what to do, a what not to do and what to do. And that meditating, that's just mulling it over, chewing on it, thinking about it, the way that I've been thinking about the Apple Watch all week. So all you useless friends who, I've had no desire for the Apple Watch for the past few months, but all of you said, oh, so are you getting it? I was like, no, I'm not getting it. Are you getting it? So... Now, all week long, I've been thinking about getting it because my birthday is right around the corner. I don't need it. I meditate on that stupid watch. How much better to meditate on God's Word? How much better to hold on to pieces of it as I worship Him day in and day out? Because there's a purpose. To do what? So that I may be careful to do what's in it. Because if I don't know it, if I don't meditate it, and if I'm not seeing it, like that song, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. If I don't have light for my feet, I'm going to trip. If I don't have the word of God in my meditation daily, I'm not going to do what's in it. All right, looking up for a second. Now, there's something that's useful to me, and I want to give it to you, all right? That's useful for making Jesus the center of this, and I call it core. I just came up with it, all right? But you've heard of creation. Some of you have heard of in two ways to live. We went creation, fall, redemption, consummation, but you, it's not a good acronym. So I went with creation, original sin, redemption, and eternity, or eschaton for you Greek lovers, all right? So core, and so with the core, it gives you a way, a framework with which to see where this passage is. And so it happened after original sin, but before Jesus Christ came to redeem us. So we're in a place where we're waiting for Jesus. And how do we see that from this passage? Well, from Joshua 1.1, you see that when was this? It was after the death of Moses. And who's talking? God. And who's he talking to? Joshua, the next leader. And why is he talking to Joshua, the next leader? Because, all right, and Sunday school kids would know this, the Israelites didn't listen to God and go up to Canaan when they should have. And so God said, all of you are going to die in the desert. And so now 
all those people have died, and it's Joshua now. And they're going to go up to do what their, what their parents failed at. But if you know judges, you know that they didn't go and finish the job. And the whole thing about judges, all right, this is where, again, knowing, all of, knowing about Scripture is helpful. What's the main verse of judges? In those days, there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, you know that if you came to Sunday school two years ago when we did the book of Judges. That's a plug for Sunday school, if it wasn't obvious. And so everyone in the Old Testament would fail. All fail at this. So no one was careful to do it. And ultimately then, no one prospered. Because what was the standard of prosperity? What was success here? The mission that God gave to the Israelites, go into the promised land and take it over for God's sake and for their benefit. And that didn't happen. But now, if this was, if we stayed in the text and saw how people failed, now we have to jump to how Jesus Christ succeeded. Because Jesus, he was one who did not let the book of the law depart from his mouth. I mean, even on the cross, he was quoting scripture, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. And he meditated on it day and night. All those times that he went away to a private place at night to pray and to think about his word. And he was the one who did all that was written in it without fail. He was truly the one with whom the Father was well pleased. But then what was Jesus' mission? Because the promise, this is a promise, isn't it? If you do all this, then you get all this. What was Jesus' mission? What did he get for doing all this? Jesus' mission was to love God the Father with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and love his neighbor as himself, right? And he glorified the Father by seeking and saving the lost. That was his mission. That was his mission, and he succeeded. Where all had failed, Jesus succeeded. And now he has countless brothers and sisters. Now he has his bride, whom he has redeemed with his blood. See what I did there? Do you see how easy that is? All right, it just takes a little practice. But if you're looking for Jesus, then you, the Holy Spirit helping you, you will find him. Even this far from the Gospels, this far from the New Testament as we are in the Old Testament. And so interpret Scripture in light of Jesus Christ. I'll give you two other things that are helpful to me, really briefly. Sometimes it's helpful to imagine the opposite of the passage, especially when God is speaking or in the Psalms. Hear how terrible this sounds if it's the opposite. 
This book of the law shall depart from your mouth, and you shall never meditate on it. And you will never be careful to do anything written in it. Then you will never be prosperous or be successful. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? And that's helpful when we see that's how we were apart from Jesus Christ. Which makes it all the sweeter when we read it in light of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And then the other thing which John reminded me of, he loves doing it and I love doing it. Look for God's promises. See the thread of God's promises in his word. Here's a promise right here, isn't it? Don't let this depart from your lips. And you, you will make your way successful and prosperous. And that is true in Jesus Christ. Only true in Jesus Christ. It wasn't ultimately true for us. All right, so we've just done the interpretation. And so now, now we can get to summarizing a specific and measurable application of the text to your personal life. Why do I say specific and measurable? Just like when Timmy shoots at a target and he sees how many inches or millimeters he's off from his target, that's how he improves and grows. Any of you who are involved in like business, finance, or science, you, you know the word metrics. Man, I hate that word. All right? But what's good about the word is it is driving you toward improvement. And so you want success and specific. Otherwise, you'll never do it. I want to read the Bible more. All right? Write that down and see how good you go. You know, just uh, how well that flies. For me, all right, so I put my head down again. I have been thinking about prosperity and success a lot. You know, my performance idol is coming up, and I know it's coming up because I've got a lot of fear going on right now. Fear about not being able to do all my work. And so just wind up sitting there kind of paralyzed, you know, at work, and then trying to figure out how do I balance all of this with family, with church. But here, I'm reminded that ultimately, prosperity and success are what Jesus has done and what he has done for me on the cross. You know, that's where I can lay my deadly doings down. And I know this. This is just the gospel. I know this. So what do I do? How do I do this? How do I remember this better? How do I sing that song, Be Thou My Vision? In fact, that's a good application. Memorize Be Thou My Vision. Because it's a song that speaks right about this passage. Meditating on it day and night. Waking or sleeping, my treasure thou art. Be thou my wisdom. Be everything I see. Be how I see everything. I will sing this all week long. I will work on memorizing this. I will remember, I will memorize this passage today. And when three times I pray for food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm going to remember this. 
because I don't want to forget. I don't want this just to be in the morning. And then at night, I want to come back and give thanks to God for giving me this truth today. Think about songs that you love that teach you about something from a passage. There are lots, and between K-Love and iTunes and everything else, I mean, there's just so much. Or, you know, us old school people, I'm an old school person, hymn book, all right? I mean, just, it's replete with that. And so in song, you can reinforce a truth that you've been given in the Word. But do you see what the important thing there was? I have wrapped up my application, what I am called to do in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ has done something and finished something, I now can live. I can move on. I can grow in this. I have hope. And so can you in your daily devotions. Now, I hope that what I've done here was accessible. Are you excited about trying it? I hope you are. In fact, I'm going to challenge you all right, I'm going to email you a PDF, 21 days of doing this, the model of prayer that I showed you, and doing this, praise outlines. See if you can keep it up for 21 days. You get a cheat day a week, all right? So pick that cheat day, and then try to keep it up for 21 days, because they say that's how long it makes to form a habit, all right? Pastor John, the elders, and I would love to hear how your life just grows because of this desire to see Jesus in his word every day. And then the last one, engage. Engage with our God in prayer. You talk to God in response to what you've heard, using the five targets of prayer that we talked about. I'm not going to have time to demonstrate that again today. But ask him to apply his word to your heart, to your life. And just like you started reverently, in prayer, you end reverently, all right? In scholarship interviews or job interviews, you don't behave good and respectfully and perform well all throughout, and then at the end, you go, peace out, homie. You know, just, you know that you were in holy ground right there. You were there hearing God's will for you and His plan of redemption. And so, you pray, being, not being careless and leaving, but being appreciative of our God. And so let me do that for us right now as the band comes up. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the reason here in, this, in your whole word that we should ask, that we should want you to be our vision, to be our delight as we see in Jesus Christ, the one who, was, who meditated on the word constantly. And let the word shine into all that he did in what he came to do. In accomplishing his mission of redemption. Which he has now invited us into. To share the knowledge of Jesus Christ with others. If we meditate on your word, then we will be successful in Christ at sharing Christ with others. Thank you for showing us this truth. 
not just in the passage today, but showing it to us in the cross where we are saved. Help this to be our daily habit because we want to see our Savior every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.